1: Greetings, and it's meeting time, and this ministry is dedicated to those of you that are sick and tired of struggling with an addictive lifestyle, and you have the courage to face the truth, the humility to abandon your failed attempts to fixing yourself and the willingness to receive God's truth and healing power. I meet with you today with over 30 years of recovery and healing, and God has put on my heart to share this journey of a new way of life available to you as well. Now, this message of hope and healing is not only derived from my experience, but also from the experience of others in recovery, Christian authors, pastors, and teaching from the Bible, and recovery literature. And it's a message that we do recover by applying 12 spiritual principles that rescue us from this enslavement. And they're known as the 12 steps of recovery. Now, if you're just joining us, fret not, we review these 12 steps over and over again. In fact, you can go on various links such as Spotify, click on Christian with Secret Addictions podcast, and you can review all previous steps. Now, in previous meetings, we focused on stopping the progression of our deadly addictions by implementing the first six step to our lives. We accepted our powerlessness over our addiction. We found a greater strength and power to rely on, and that's God. We examined our sins and wrongs, we confessed them, and then we became ready for God to remove our sinful, defective existence. And that brings us to our subject matter today, the seventh step. We humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. And shortcomings are a polite way of describing sin, weakness, character defects, addiction, compulsion, and dependencies. And these shortcomings, they derail us from a relationship with God, and they birth pain, misery, and humiliation. Our pain is caused by our ego, pride, and self-centeredness, trying to fix ourselves and failing over and over again. Misery is caused by living a life of enslavement, feeding the demands of our obsession and compulsion, We lose the ability to just say no. We lose the ability to love, laugh, and feel. And in a short period of time, it's hard to see the human being behind the blank gaze in our eyes, the look of insanity, helplessness, and hopelessness. And in our zombie-like state comes the humiliation part we lose everything in our lives. We lose our loved ones, our income, our freedom, our health, our faith, and then we lose ourselves. And if we don't cry out for God's intervention, we lose our lives. Listen, our shortcomings, our defects, our sins, our old ways of living are the root cause of our addiction and they're like spiritual parasites with claws, and they are attached to our mind, body, and soul. There's only one way to declaw these parasites, and that's by spiritual surgery. We must ask the great physician, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to do what we can't do and do what he does best. Forgive us, free us, and transform us. In Isaiah 42, 7, God gave this mission to Jesus. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison. Release those who sit in dark dungeons. This is what God longs to do for you. He wants to heal you from your spiritual blindness with the clear eyes of recovery and healing. He wants to rescue you from your imprisonment in dark dungeons of this pain, misery, and humiliation. But first things first, we must get out of our own way accepting that our way of dealing with life creates more sinful refuse. Humility is a main ingredient in this step, and we must humbly ask God's Spirit to flow into our lives and replace character defects with character strength. Look, we're all masters of our own heart, and God wants to give you a heart transplant, but he doesn't hammer down the door of our heart. He's waiting for you to humbly seek him. In Revelations 3.20, Jesus is talking to you and me. I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we will share a meal together. He wants to feed us spiritual principles that extract these parasites from our whole being. Now, having said all that, it sounds like a no-brainer to have God to come into our rubbish heap and remove them from our lives, right? Then why is it that some in recovery relapse and die their sins. Listen to me. This is a demonic disease, and the evil one doesn't want you to have God remove your sins. He wants you to die as well, and he'll set up mental traps, stinking thinking, to discourage us from asking God to rid us of our shortcomings. And one trap It's called confusion. We become confused and disenchanted because we believe in God, we have strong religious convictions, yet we haven't been able to stop ingesting our forbidden fruit. Recovery meetings, prayer meetings, and Bible studies haven't helped to eliminate our anger, depression, loneliness, and fears. Why is that? it's because subconsciously we're still playing God. We're relying on self-will and trying to change with our own self-propulsion. We're still the director of our lives. And despite our beliefs and convictions, our pride and ego edge got out. And step seven challenges us to embark on the development, our faith, to let go of directing our lives. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we're taught to walk by faith, not sight. Jesus wants us to follow him in faith, and it's one day at a time as he leads us on this life-changing journey. And with humility, we must give up control, put our lives in his hands, and he will reshape us as he sees fit. Folks, we can trust. When we let go and let God, he will recreate a life that's beautiful, but we need to get out of the way. Another trap is expecting instant gratification. We expect God to fix us in the blink of an eye. We want it now. But God has another plan. He provides what we need in his perfect time. Look, some of our shortcomings they may be removed quickly. Others may take time. We have to remember, in our addictive, we have to remember, in our addiction, we used alcohol, drugs, and so on to numb ourselves from reality. They became our old friends. But then eventually, they became the enemy within and they led to our demise. But still, it's difficult to divorce that which is familiar to us. In these cases, we will need the help of others in recovery with mentoring, experience, decision-making, and prayer. We may need therapy or counseling. Folks, our concern is not to determine how or when our shortcomings will be removed. We need to ask God to remove our impatience and our intolerance. In Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, God spoke through this prophet to the people of Judah under Babylonian enslavement. And this applies to you and me today. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and to give you a future and hope. It's God's plan to change us into people who will grow in faith as he relieves us from the pain of our old ways. Folks, we're a work in progress. This is not perfection, and this metamorphosis takes time. God's time, not ours. Another trap that I fell in head first is we may still see ourselves in a negative light, and we don't feel that we have the grounds to expect God to remove our shortcomings. Personally, I believe because of my sins and addictive lifestyle, God abandoned me. I felt I lost my salvation. I didn't feel worthy to be forgiven and have my sins removed. I thought I would die separated from God forever. It's another lie from Satan. And you may be wondering why in the world God would even care about you. Well, here's why. In Isaiah 53, we learn it was God's plan to bruise Jesus and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, meaning he arose from the dead, and he sees all accomplished by his anguish, and he'll be satisfied. His experience will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. These passages give us a complete picture of what Christ did for you and me. Listen, sin must be punished, And his death satisfied God's righteous demand for judgment against sin. Christ was punished, brutalized, and put to death as a substitute for the penalty of your sins and my sins. He was like a general falling on a mine to save the lives of his army. And he opened the door for everyone to come to God in faith to be set free from their sins. And then he arose from the dead to spend eternity with those that have asked Christ to be their savior and become a child of God. So think about this. If Christ went through all of this to free us from the penalty of sin, surely. He wants to remove them from our whole being. God hasn't abandoned you. He proved his love for you. Now, let me end with this. One of the main reasons that we might feel distant from God is because we're not in his army. Listen, salvation is a free gift, but we must ask Jesus to forgive us, thank him for what he did for us, and ask him to be our Savior. Before we ask him to remove our shortcomings, we might ask him to become part of his army. John 14 Jesus proclaims, On the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to my Father except through me. So let me ask you a thought-provoking question. Are you a child of God? And if not, Jesus is knocking at your door, and he's waiting to receive you. Why don't you enlist in God's army today? Amen? Next week, we're going to review step eight that we made a list of all the people we've harmed and became ready to make amends to them all. And I want you to reference Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Amen.